Let me read you the scripture, please. From Judges in chapter 6. And um, reading from verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianite. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Amen. I'm sure the Lord will add a blessing to that reading of his word. And please read the whole chapter when you get opportunity to do so. I've just read that bit for time's sake. Let's just pray. Our God, we have a great privilege of being in your house, in your presence. Because you've said when we meet together in your name, you will be here in the midst of us. Our God, we pray that we might believe your word. We pray, our God, that uh, those uh, agents of Lucifer will not take and snatch the word from us. We pray, God, that the cares of this world will not choke your word in our hearts and lives. Lord, we pray that we won't rush off like a Roman candle with your word and uh, come to grief because there's no depth to us. We ask that your word will find its resting place in good ground in our hearts and that it will grow up and bring fruit. Lord God, help us to hear your voice speaking to us today because we ask it in and through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, I was told that you're doing a series about revival. I, I went on the website and um, read the things that John has put on concerning the revival uh, that happened in Nuneaton in 1905. Some of it I knew already because two or three years ago um, in the um, Christians Together um, setting that we had, we focused on that. Uh, but only one part of it, what I picked up, was that there had been a prayer meeting after Sunday night ch church, 8 o'clock in one of the big uh, theatres in, uh, in Nuneaton, 
This was in 1905, uh, before most of you were born, and uh, before I was born too, you'll be glad to hear. Uh, but 1,500 people were coming together on a Sunday night after church to pray uh, for God to move in our land. This was a sort of a spillover, if you like, from the Welsh Revival. Now, if you've been on the website and you've looked at what John has already placed there, he has done a, a great deal of research for this. And there were reports in the local newspapers of the way in which God was moving in Nuneaton. And the free churches, particularly, were being blessed of God. And, and I know in, in the one it says in, in the one month, there were 500 recorded decisions for Jesus. In, I think that was in the February of 1905. Uh, the churches were having uh, united meetings together and uh, nobody, it appeared, certainly in the one that the reporter was talking about, appeared to lead the meeting particularly, but people would spontaneously start to sing things that had been happening in the Welsh Revival. But one, one phrase did strike me as uh, being particularly English. Okay, there was no hysteria. Yeah, that was, that would be English. We'd do it all, you know. The Welsh would get their heel and uh, they'd really be into it. And we read that in the reports of the Welsh revival. Uh, but in Britain, no, 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 no. Oh, excitement? How dare we? No, but God still moved, you see. And people still got saved and uh, came to know the Lord. So uh, we we look back on those things and, and think about the revival in that sort of way and how great that is. Terrific. And we want to see God doing similar things in our day and generation. It's not that God isn't doing anything, because look, you're all here. So God must have done something in your life, or in your parents' life, to make you be here. Okay, I have seven grandchildren. <coughs> uh, ranging in various ages, so I know what it takes for their parents to get them to church. And we had the same problem with our three lads, who had no choice, let me tell you. They had no choice at all. They came, or they were caned. No, that wasn't true. <laughs> they came, and then they were caned, <coughs> for playing up in the church service. But they all came, and listen, all my three sons are going on with God. As you can see, Peter is... Uh, 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 a musician and leads worship. He hates it when he leads worship with me. My timing is quite different from his when he comes to singing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have brought him. Really. But listen, God is, is moving. It's not that God isn't doing anything. But what we're doing really is so often just going through the motions of it, and, and being satisfied. Now that's the problem, is being satisfied. We are contented. We like our comfort zones. I, I like mine. I, I've got my settee, and, and uh, the, with the reclining back, and uh, when the cricket's on, I'm contented to sit and watch cricket. 
I know. So we've got our comfort zones. But God has this, I'm going to say annoying habit. That's not true. You can't say that about God, I guess, really. But to, to change us from our comfort zone. Here you see Gideon, we read about. The Old Testament, Israel, God's chosen people. Israel, God has uh, miraculously provided for this nation and still does. They're still around. That's God that does all that. But he he brought them out of bondage and captivity into their own land and given them their own land and said, serve me and, and, and love me and, and follow me. And, the, and sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't. And sometimes when they weren't, they got overrun. And here the nation had been overrun again and they were captives to this uh, uh, group of people, this nation of people called the Midianites. Uh, and they, the Midianites used to come and steal their food, you see. They would grow the food. This is why Gideon was threshing the corn uh, hidden away. They'd grow up the food. The Midianites would come and say, well, we'll have that. Thank you very much. Good. Now grow some more. And so Gideon's away here. Uh, looking after his family best he could. And then this appearance, this angel of the Lord comes to him. Well, I don't know how you feel about an angel of the Lord coming to see you. The angel of the Lord. Actually, probably it's talking about a, a visitation of God the Son coming down. Of course, you may not think that that sort of thing ever happened, that this is just a story in the book. Because there's a lot of people that do. A lot of people in church that do. Oh, just a story in the book. Just to make Israel seem important. This is a visitation from God. And the angel of the Lord says, calls him a mighty man of valor. You mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon didn't feel like a mighty strong man. Gideon felt like a wimp because he's hiding away, uh, making sure that his stuff isn't stolen, so he's hiding away, and here's this apparition comes. Mighty man of valor. If you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that you are a mighty man of valor? Oh, woman, okay. We'll let that. You are. You may not feel like it, but you are. In Christ, we are in Him. And the Bible tells us that the weakest person in the kingdom of God, in Christ, is greater than John the Baptist was, who was the greatest of all the prophets. And even the least in God's kingdom is greater than he. That may be you. Okay. That's who you are in Jesus Christ. Oh, but hey, that's not me. I'm just, just me. As, as that's what Gideon said. Me? We, we belong to Manasseh. It's the least of the, of the tribes of Israel. And I, I'm, I'm the least in my father's house. I, I'm not who you think I am. It's a dangerous thing to tell God 
you're not who he thinks you are. Because then you're calling God a liar. And that's not a good place to be. Because God knows you better than you know yourself. And so Gideon is told, that's who you are. The Lord is with you. Now the argument can start. Well, if God is with us, note the if, if God is with us, where are all the miracles? You see, the thinking is, God used to be with us, but now, because he says that, God has forsaken us. Dangerous thing to say. You see, God had told the nation of Israel that he would never leave them nor forsake them. And that promise is reiterated in the New Testament to those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So where are all the miracles? God used to do stuff. Is God still doing stuff? When Jesus was on the earth, we read about him and the things that he did, and he did terrific stuff. Healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, providing food for people in a miraculous manner. But in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark 6, we read this. He was in his own place in Nazareth, Capernaum. And it says, he did not do many mighty works there. And in Mark it says, he could do there no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. We'd love to see that. He marveled at their unbelief. For the prevention of miracles, take unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3, 12 and 14 says, Take heed, brethren and sistren, lest there be any in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Unbelief is the main cause of things miraculous not happening. We have Grounds for unbelief, if we know Jesus Christ as our own personal saviour. If we have had an encounter with the risen Christ, we have no grounds for unbelief at all. Because if we believe that he can come into our hearts and into our 
lives and resurrect our dead spirits and transform us from being hell-bound sinners into heaven-bound saints, what reason can we ever have for unbelief? If he can do that, which is the most stupendous miracle, do you know that to save your soul, God has had to do the impossible? Because to save you is impossible apart from God. He said it himself. Won't go down into that. You read it in the scripture. An impossible thing has taken place in God coming into your life and transforming you by his grace. It took the almighty grace of God to send his son Jesus onto this planet to taste sin, our sin, your sin, my sin, to taste all of our sin, to take it to the cross and have it nailed there. That is a stupendous thing for him to do. And if he is in us, we have no grounds for unbelief. That's why in Hebrews it talks about an evil heart of unbelief. Because what it's saying is, you can't do it, God. That's what unbelief says. God can't do this. Or God won't do this. Overcoming unbelief. Because we, we live in a nation, in a church, amongst a church. We're talking about a, a nationwide church. That doesn't believe that what God has said, God means. We live in a nation, in a church, in a nation that has said, God, we know better than you. The things that you said we shouldn't do, well, that was for then, not for now. The things that you said could be changed, we say, no, they can't be changed. Because he said lives can be transformed. He said people can be changed. He said sins can be made saints. And we're saying, oh, don't know about that. Have you ever heard some a Christian say, I wouldn't call myself a saint? What a foolish thing to do. God calls you a saint. You're going to argue with God? Well, you can. God will take arguments all day long. But the thing is, you're going to lose it. So it's best not to do it. To overcome unbelief. Hebrews 12, again, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Exhort one another daily. We like church Sunday morning. And we don't mind perhaps Wednesday as well or maybe a Tuesday for the house group. Now it says exhort one another daily. Now it doesn't mean to say that we've got to get together like this every day. Wouldn't hurt if we did, but we don't have to. But we have to exhort one another. Encourage one another. Are you encouraging others to believe or are you encouraging others to unbelieve? Exhort, encourage 
phone somebody up and say, I've been praying for you. Well, pray for them. And then pray, phone them up and say, I've been praying for you that God will bless you. That God will meet your need. When somebody's in need, meet the need. If you can, the Bible says that we're to do that. We don't have to see somebody in need and just say, well, God bless you. No, if we can meet their need, that's what we have to do. How can we say that we love God if we won't help our brother or our sister who are in need? The love of God doesn't dwell in us. It says if we won't do that, it's no good just saying, if we can deal with the problem, it's no good saying, well, God bless you. If we can deal with the problem, we deal with the problem. If we can't, then we don't. But if we can, we do. Encouraging and upholding and building one another up in the most holy faith. Getting into the Word of God and, and listen, believing the Word of God. Believing it. Believing that what He said He means and what He means He said. And that God is able to do, as the Bible tells us, far more, exceeding abundantly. I'm sorry, I have to quote in our authorized English. That's how I learned it. Exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Encourage one another. Listen, <clears throat> essence of revival is what I've t- titled this. And that's an essence of revival. Encouraging one another daily so that we trust in Him and trust in His Word and trust that He is able to do far more than we can think. Too often the trouble is we won't, we won't believe. We won't believe. Not that we can't, but that we won't. Because we can. Because we've accepted Christ into our hearts. The angel goes on to tell Gideon, the Lord is with you. Gideon said he was, but where is he now? The angel of the Lord says the Lord is with you. Actually, Gideon's being challenged here. The Lord is with you. What are you hiding away for? Christians, the Lord is with us. We don't need to hide away. We don't need to keep it to ourselves. We don't need to, well, let's keep quiet for the sake of not offending somebody. Friend, your gospel, your testimony will offend somebody. Believe me, it will offend somebody. Because there will be somebody looking to be offended by it. The Bible tells us that we have to take offense. If we're going to be offended, we have to take it. You don't have to be offended by anybody or anything. You don't have to take it. But if you take it, you'll be offended. Okay, that's what people are looking for today. Many people want to be offended by the Christian gospel. Because then they'll have a reason to say, well, if that's what Christians are like, we don't want to know. And the world doesn't want to know. The world generally doesn't want to know. Because it means that we've got to submit to Jesus Christ. If we accept his word, we have to submit to him. Now that's true for us as well. We have to submit to him. We can sing, he is Lord, 
He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. We can sing it uh, until the kingdom comes. But if we don't submit to Him, it's a waste of breath singing. If He is Lord, He is Lord. I'm not. If He is King of my life, we sing the hymn, King of my... Well, sometimes we do... King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. If he's my king, I am not. If he reigns in my heart, I don't. If he's alive in me, ah, I'm not. Uh, The life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. The Lord is with you. Mighty person of God. The Lord is with you. And you, and you, and you. And you. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own person, say, if you don't, well, get to know him because then the Lord is with you too. He is not the God of yesterday only. He is the eternal God of now. The God that brought uh, Israel out of bondage is the God whom we worship. He didn't change between the Testaments, as some people seem to think, that the Old Testament God is not the New Testament God. Yes, He is. The same God. God of yesterday, God of today, and praise God tomorrow. He never changes. He is always the same. I will be with you. I find that astonishing. I find that amazing that he will be with me. I am more amazed that he will be with me than I am that he will be with you because I don't know you as well as I know me. And knowing me as well as I do, it is amazing that he says, I'll be with you. Wow. God, with me. Knowing everything about me because he knows the thoughts and intents of my heart. Not just the words that I speak, the things that I do. He knows why I do them. And he still says, I'll be with you. Glorious. Whoever you are, no matter how weak or ineffectual you feel, his promise is always The same because it's his promise. Not your promise, his promise. And he has promised. And if you want to know what he has promised, well, start at Genesis and read through to Revelation and find what he has promised if you don't know already. Because he has promised so much for those who put their trust in him. When Jesus left the planet and the disciples saw him go, when he was, when he ascended 
into heaven. Before he went, he promised the disciples another comforter. Someone who would be to them exactly the same as Jesus had been to them. He would be the one who would be with them day by day. Guiding, instructing, empowering. And now, it wasn't somebody who was just going to be with them in a figure, a person. But it was someone who was going to dwell within them. Another comforter, the Holy Spirit. Someone. Someone who is God in them. As Jesus had been, so the Holy Spirit is to us in him. Bringing us to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bringing us through the Lord Jesus Christ to the Father. Because you know Jesus is the way to God the Father. He can't get to God the Father without coming through Jesus. No matter how many people you bomb, slaughter and kill. You can only get to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit uh, moves upon hearts and lives to bring them to Jesus Christ, who brings them to the Father. And then they abide in us. Wow. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now you can say, well, I don't believe that. I don't care whether you believe it or not, personally. In that sense, it's true whether you believe it or whether you don't believe it. But the only way you can know it's true is to enter into it. Because you can stand at the back and say, well, that can't be true. I know this and that about these and them. But if you come in and allow him to come in and get filled with him, then you know that there is nothing that he cannot do. Nothing is impossible with him. So those impossible situations that we face are possible with him. The impossible situation we find in the churches today, I'm not talking about in the nation, I'm talking about in the churches, because the church is where God is working through today, we are the holy nation, a peculiar people, yes. We are all of that. We are the holy nation through which he is working. The people who know Christ as their own personal saviour. We are those through whom he is working. And we can look at the situation within the church and say, oh, this is hopeless, this is impossible. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not. God can move. And God is seeking such that will be partners with him. Who will join with him. Humble themselves. Pray. Work works of righteousness. Not works of evil. Seek him and his face. And let him, let him move through us to touch 
the lives of men and women, some of whom are struggling with, as we say, their faith struggling to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Struggling because of events that are going on. Struggling because of their situation. Struggling because lawlessness is growing in the world. And people struggle with that. But the power of the Lord Jesus Christ through the, power, through the Holy Spirit can touch lives and transform situations because there is nothing impossible with him. Do you believe that there is nothing impossible with God? You see, I can't answer for you. You have to answer the questions. And you have to submit yourself to him and allow him to move through you. Let me tell you, Gideon did just that. Oh, Gideon did that. He obeyed. He did what God told him to do. And even when it seemed ridiculous what God was telling him to do, because it did seem ridiculous to him, because there's this 100,000 Midianites, and, God, and, and uh, Gideon's got this army together, and God says, there's too many. And they were two, well, at least two to one down at that time. And God says, you've got too many. Pare them down, pare them down. Because the victory is not going to be yours, Gideon. The victory is going to be mine. And that, that is where we've got to be. The victory has got to be his. He's not moving in us and through us to make a name for us. He's moving in us and through us to make a name for himself. That his name is glorified. Now, at the moment, we're all watching the Olympics, I've no doubt, and we're seeing all these people that have done all these terrific things, making a name for themselves. Showing how great mankind is. Well, that's okay, as far as it goes. But as far as that goes, it's a gold medal. What he's called us for is to something eternal that will not cease when time finishes on the planet but goes on eternally. We are called into that and only he can have the glory for that. The gold medal always goes to Jesus, never to us. The gold medal isn't ours because he enables us and he empowers us. Will you let him do it? I've probably done more than half an hour. Have I moved? was just getting started. <coughs> we're going to pray and we're going to sing and then we're, we're going to do some more singing after that. So We're just going to sing, I love you Lord and I lift my voice. Listen, don't you sing this if you don't mean it. Don't you dare sing this if you don't mean it after what you have heard this morning. This is not just a closing song for a sermon. This is a declaration our love for him and our submission to him because if we love him we have to submit to him and allow him to rule and reign in us oh Lord oh God oh Lord 
you feel the challenge of God upon your heart and life, you know, commit it to Him. Get somebody to pray with you. But make your commitment first and foremost to Him. Lord, whatever it takes, make us the person that you want us to be. Use us in the way that you want to use us. Lord God, you've told us that in the world we'll face tribulation if we want to live a righteous, holy life. And many of us don't want to face tribulation, but we do want to live a righteous, holy life. So Lord, we have a choice to make. Dear friend, make the choice to live the holy, righteous life no matter what it costs, no matter what comes, we are safe in Him. We are secure in Him. Make your commitment to Him. We could make an appeal and have people come to the front, but if you want prayer for anything, then just let us know. But uh, this has got to be your commitment before Him. And let him move in and through your life. Let him use you for his glory. Let him be all in all to you. Let that be the case. Lord God, I thank you so much for your grace and, and your patience with us. We see that demonstrated down through the centuries through the nation of Israel, your patience and long-suffering with them. And Lord, we, we thank you that it has been so great. And that your patience and long-suffering with your church over 2,000 years has been demonstrated time and again. And oh God, periodically it seems that you have moved by uh, supernatural sovereign grace to, to, to blow the breath of the Holy Spirit through the body of Christ. And Lord God, we ask, do it again. Do it, O oh God, in me. Do it, O oh God, in me. Because we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.